Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Dietri Rodman Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the month of trombones. We are celebrating the trombone all month long in April. Because did you know there's actually an International Trombone Day? I didn't know that. So it's all trombones all month long. And we're continuing um, our trombone celebration with Mr. Brian Dry. Hi, Brian. Hello. Brian is a very busy person. He's the hardest working trombonist in the world, I would say. And he's also probably one of the hardest working musicians that I know, just in general. <laughs> and today is no different. So he's running all around. So you may hear some breakfast sounds. This is all just part of life, part of it. So, Brian, um, I'm going to let you chew while I introduce you a little bit and tell people who okay. you are. So, Brian wears many hats. He is a multi-instrumentalist. He does play trombone. He is currently the trombonist for Hades Town. And if you have not seen Hades Town, well, number one, you should. I've already seen it twice. So I want to go again. Number two, he is a huge role in the show. He's on stage. He's featured. He dances. He opens the show. All of that. He also doubles on Glockenspiel, which to my knowledge would not be that easy because I've tried playing Glockenspiel. You know, it's easy to miss those bars, those little tiny bars. He's nodding. They all look the same. <laughs> they all look the same. Um, he also has done a ton with Brooklyn Conservatory of Music. He has a bunch of – he plays sidemen for a bunch of people. He has a bunch of his own projects including Bazingas, which we're going to hear a track from soon. And he has an album that's out recently, Trio Love Call, which I just listened to, which is totally different than anything else I've heard him do. And he did a duo record um, called Ocean State, which I think is awesome because Ben is from Rhode Island also. So basically, Andy, he's a dad. So I'm convinced that he's a clone. Brian, are you a clone? <laughs> <laughs> Have you cloned yourself? I have actually, yes, yeah. How many? Me, how many? Uh, how many are there of you now? T today, there's four of me today, but it goes by the day. You know, oh, changes everything. Okay, please tell us your secret because <laughs> I could use a clone some days. So sure. Of course, if you told us your secret, you know, then you'd probably have to kill us because it'd be worth a lot of money. Right. <laughs> well, I want to just jump into the music actually right away. So. I'm going to play this track and then we're going to talk about it. This, we're going to open with Bazingas, which I hope I'm saying right. We're going to start with a track called Hawaii.
Brian, that is so cool. So you you picked this song. Um, I asked you to bring a song that brought you from darkness to light, and you thought maybe this song. So tell me about Hawaii. Well, it's funny because I haven't heard that song in a long, long time. Uh, <clears throat> that song is actually a really old song that I wrote. So I, I had a chamber group for many years called the four bags. Um, very cute name, very cute uh, band actually. Um, <laughs> trombone, accordion, clarinet, and um, guitar for super good friends, all new to New York. Um, let's just say I had a friend from Hawaii. I wrote the, little thing for her and i it was very slow as a ballad whoa and, 
Yeah, it was supposed to be a ballad. It was a ballad. It's actually recorded, I think, or it's on some tape somewhere. Anyways, it's it was like very slow, written for accordion, and you know, <clears throat> very influenced by like I don't know. You know, just when we were we were all like at the knitting factory every night those those days and like listening to like all kinds of stuff and <clears throat> um. You know, I never, I just, I just track just, it's just like a little song, but it was one of those things that like I brought in and like everyone just loved it. You know, it's just like, okay, this is fun. This is cool. It's like a little thing. We played it like three, we probably played it three times. We probably didn't even improvise, but it was, it had an arrangement to it. But that there was this, um, we played the theme and then we played this thing that went, and that just was behind it. You know, like second or third time, Sean Moran <laughs> played that very slow. It was just like a little thing, and I like fast forward like ten years later, and I was maybe maybe ten years. I was putting together this record, the second Bazingas record. Probably, I don't. Hopefully, not the last Bazingas record, but um, very hot, far, hard to make a follow up record. Um, mm. I just, you know, I hadn't thought about that, and I really wanted to do it. And I knew I wanted to have the follow-up the Zingus record to be me playing a lot of keyboards and piano. Um, and I had messed around a lot with, you know, the synthesizers that I, that I have, this old uh, analog synth. And I was at my parents' house and I just heard that riff just putting together all the music. And I was like, wow, what if that riff was just like really fast? And I, mm. I got really excited by that. It just excited. It was like it made me happy. Yeah, it makes so. me happy. It also, just as a pianist, I I, I want to play that. It just feel. It's one of those things when you hear it as a keyboardist, you're like, that would feel really good under my fingers to play. That's probably how I. I'm pretty sure that's because I play keyboard. I improvise a lot at the keyboard, and that's how I write. So I was. It's. I feel exactly like that. That you like exactly like that. I, yeah. I think I just like played it. And it was like, it felt good on the fingers. And like, <laughs> and also like with the synthesizer, you could like, pro- I programmed, so the way that worked is I programmed it in, but it's a step sequencer and it's a very primitive sequencer. So I just like set the speed of it, put a little delay on it and just like had it going through the whole track. Yeah, that's so cool. So, and I, and I, and then I played, we still played it like a ballad. So mm. I, you know, there was no instructions really. It was just like, let's play this tune and, um chess just started i mean we we pretty i think that's a first take in the studio like one time like just like oh let's let's play this and it was like <laughs> okay and that, i mean we we've learned it we probably played it before um but it was i'm pretty sure i have to look back and i'm i'm 99 sure that was the first take and wow. it's like i don't know for you but like for me like first takes are terrifying right because you're like they're like, okay, this is probably going to be it. And then it wasn't. And it's like, <laughs> you know, because and then that, that's what takes me forever to put our album out. So I'm like, oh, I don't like what I played on. But, but then I, I give it a couple months rest. And I'm like, oh, actually, it sounds really, I like it. You know, so you're actually bringing um, up a really interesting, a really interesting point because I also like to take a break after recording because I feel too invested in everything. And yeah. I find that the first takes often are the takes, but then if, for me, you know, you for, of course you have to go listen to all like the millions of other takes first. Yeah. If you did a million other takes, and then you come back around to like, no, 
it really was the first take because yeah. you can kind of be married to it in the beginning. Like, oh, I made that mistake there. and yeah. But there's something about a first take where the vibe, it's just there's this kind of excitement and a little bit of tension, which oh, kind yeah. of works, you know? I feel it on that track for sure. Yeah. So it's Chessmith on drums and who else? Uh, Kirk Kanupke on cornet and John Goldberg on guitar. And John Goldberger was like, we, we made two business records and he, he really was like, he mixed all those records and he really was, especially the first one, he really, it, it was really crafted by him and the second one too. We did a lot of work post-production, like not like overdubs, but just, right. you know, just like mixing and adding sounds and things mm-hmm. like that. So he, he's, he's the wizard that, Put all that together for me. So um, he's the wizard. Yeah. He's the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it does sound good. I, I like that track. It, it makes me happy. So it makes me happy. It, like, it's also yeah. a really nice track to have on first thing in the morning. There's something about it, like because this morning I was just you know futzing around the house as one does, getting one's children ready for school. Yep, I did the same. And I had this on, and it it just kind of was a nice vibe. It kind of woke everybody up. There's this pulsing that happens underneath, but then over the top, there are these kind of floating horns, which are nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I mean, there's, we're not really, we're, we are playing kind of over the form, but it's, it's just a 12, I think it's like 14 bar. I forget how long. It's not very long. Um, But there's that little, um, vamp at the end and that chest started doing that bum bum yeah bum, bum, and it's like i mean we just the great thing about that band and like the, the the reason one of the reasons i love that band so much is it just there's it just it makes those parts and we do it and it no one no one's really like talked about it before but it just happens and everyone's mm. really open to listening to it so it's to 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 everyone's open to saying yes to mm. that idea. And yeah. so it just happens, but I'll tell you like just setting something very simple, like this little, that little Montuno, that, that little riff, it, it adds like a glue, right? So that no matter where it goes, there's this kind of, there's this kind of bedrock that we can like come back to it mm. and go super free. And, um, and you have a home base. But I, What's it, what's that? You have like a home base. Yeah, you have yeah, home base and there's no like um there's it it, it keeps it sort of centered and cuz you know, we could go really far. <laughs> and we do. I think so. Sometimes it's, I I like having like some some that home base and that structure to kind of you know, I I, I like it to be listenable too. And, yeah. And for me to want to go back and like listen to it. Right. Um, I, I remember some artists that I respect a lot said that. Like, I, I, I like it if, 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 if people want to come back or if I want to, if I want to listen to my music again, that like, that means a lot, you know? And Absolutely. I, I, I do think about that. Like, is this something I want to hear again? <laughs> and I, yeah. What's interesting about your music, though, is that I've been listening to, you know, your different albums and, you do so many different experimentations with genre. Like the trio love call album is feels more through composed to me in a, in a certain way. And Chaz is playing more per, like percussion on it. It reminded me of Keith Jarrett's spirits, actually. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, that, weird. which is interesting. Oh, yeah. um, huh. 
But then oh. your duo with Eric, what's his last name again? Eric Hastings. Yeah, Eric Hastings on Ocean State. That's a completely different vibe because a lot of those tunes are based kind of in these grooves. Yes. So tell me about I, this. Tell me about this album, this Ocean State album. Well, that's so the you heard of this thing called the pandemic. Say <laughs> so what? The pandemic. <laughs> uh, and we escaped to Rhode Island. And Eric is an old friend from from college, and he has daughters that are the same age as my daughter. Oh, so that's the best. We've paired up with them. We kind of like lived with my parents and spent like a week, two weeks up with them here and there. But he has a studio in the backyard. And so, and he has a bunch of keyboards and I was really pretty down on playing and I hadn't been playing even, I really didn't even play trombone. I was not just, yeah, I went from playing every night and being out all the time and nothing. So I I just wasn't that motivated. You are not the only one. (laughs) You are far from alone in that. And I got some good advice from some folks that like, like I remember Michael Chorney, a guitar player in Haiti and he said, you know, you don't have to do anything. You can just like, let it go. So I, I did, I really didn't. Um, but Eric, we just went out there every night and just, I kept writing these little things and he would, we would play them together. And it was just, it was all like, so all the tunes on that recording were written in the studio. I've never done that before. Mm. That that's a totally new experience for me. Um, I've always wanted to do that, but I never had the time to do that. Right. I've always, you know, like the way I live my life is like gig to gig to gig, <laughs> run. Oh, want to make a record? Okay, write a bunch of music, or make a make a gig for that, and then like record it. Yep. And have it a lot of you know, and that's a lot of fun. And I, I like that process. This was just like. Actually, I found the process kind of painful because it was like, oh, this feels really like way too slow for me. <laughs> like I want to just get it done. <laughs> Isn't but, it um, funny to think of, you know, I just remember seeing that film Metallica, some kind of monster, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, where they're just, they, they've booked the studio for several months. <laughs> they're going to yeah. be out there just <laughs> writing and making their album. I just feel right. like for for jazz players, it's that it's such a luxury. It's like if you get two days in a row, you're lucky, you know. I, yeah, that Bazinga's record I did in in four hours, five hours. Yep. Like <laughs> but the thing was, I I spent hours like mapping it out because I played piano and trombone mm. on it, and so I was like, and I did a gig where like I rehearsed all of that because I wanted to make sure I didn't have to do very many overdubs so i was like i wanted it to be live so if you hear piano it's actually it's actually me putting the trombone down playing the piano and then like i would play it then afterwards i would like maybe overdub a solo but i everything is in real time and they're all complete that's so So, cool but i had to like practice like like the choreography of it was actually kind of hard and i you know you're on a big thing you do it all the time but this was like I had to orchestrate it for my own music. But it's interesting that you mentioned the word choreography because I think that playing a show like Town or playing a gig where you're musical directing and you're, or playing a gig where you're wearing multiple hats, it's, um, it's good to rehearse the choreography. When I first moved to town, I played in the Big Apple Circus and I had two keyboards, two loop pedals, a bunch of stuff. And mm-hmm. I really had to rehearse like 
push this button here, then this pedal, then play this, then my left hand does this. And it was like a dance. It was so exciting. Yeah. But if I didn't rehearse that, then I would miss my cue. And I haven't really done that kind of thing in a while, but I haven't heard any, a musician really talk yet about the choreography and the rehearsing of the moving from instrument to instrument and how you booked a gig to actually practice that. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise <laughs> I, well, I was on gigs previously where it didn't work and I was trying to make it work. It work. So I, like, well, I, I just had this image of like the music stand falling over. <laughs> yeah. It was like little dumb things like where the keyboard is or where, I mean, like you were describing, that's funny yeah. that you brought that up. That's where I met when I met you. Because you were playing with Curtis. Yeah, he Who's will the, be on for trombone month next he's week. He's my hero. He's oh. my trombone my my trombone hero. He's he's one of the reasons I moved to New York City. Really? Tell me about that since I'll be um talking to him next week. Well, he first of all, he's the greatest trombone player, one of the greatest trombone players. And also I love I I had all these Bill Frizzell records with him on. Oh right. And I just and I loved and I loved Bill Frizzell. And then I like heard this trombone player. And the truth is that, like, at the time when I was in college, I really wasn't interested in a trombone that much, like, like as a, as a voice. I didn't really I, – I had, like, kind of a singular voice, which was, like, in my opinion, like a, a jazz kind of bebop trombone kind of, like, mentality, which I was starting to break away from. But I, I, I heard Curtis, and I was like, oh – Wait a minute, it kind of opened up this channel for me because I was like, I love that. <laughs> and I love what he plays, but he's he's not like, you know, playing like Donna Lee or something. Like, you know, right. he's not like like playing Bebop. He's like, I mean, he is a Bebopper, but he's like playing just this super soulful, like Yeah, it's like I love his soul and, just comes out of his horn. It's yeah. Yeah. And and then so when when I met you, you you were connected to him. So I was like immediately like, Oh, okay, you're cool. I'm totally gonna um, tell him that that like my cool so, quotient is really because of him. <laughs> I'd say no, I was that more um uh but yeah, I and then I you know, since then, like moving to New York is what made me fall in love with the trombone because I realized I got here and I realized how little I knew about the trombone. I mean, I, I realized actually, let me backtrack. I didn't know anything about the trombone. <laughs> I, I knew how to play the trombone. I knew how to get a sound, a good sound out of the trombone, but I had no, um, like, like idea. Like I hadn't really dug into the history of the trombone, you know, and I had, had I didn't really, really respect or understand it until mm. I got here. And I heard other people playing. I was like, Wow, they sound really good. Why? Oh, oh, wow! Because they listen to Trummy Young and they listen to these people. Like they, they know who. Like Walter Hawks was like one of my first friends that I met. I was like, wait, who's Jack T. Bone? Wait, why? Why is that important? And so that kind of set me like because the thing was I did love that music. I just hadn't, I hadn't like thought about it on the trombone much. So. Um, yeah, I, I love – this is probably why I'm dedicating an entire month to the trombone because I love the trombone. I love low brass in, in general. And I feel like if I didn't play piano, I would play either drums or trombone. Just oh, yeah. There's just something about 
all of the diversity you can get of the sounds on the trombone. It can uh, – I just feel like I'm fangirling. I, you, it can do so many different things. <laughs> like it's, I, I agree. I feel like even as trombone players, we, only, we are still only using like a tenth of what we can do. Right. But then you hear someone like Curtis and you're like, oh, he's using all of it. And it's just – it's all him. It's all personality. And it's all just – and that's what I love about the trumpet. That's what I love about those are my favorite trombone players. The ones that I can just, I mean, you can ha- or you can instantly recognize him in one note. Yeah, and, totally. And and, that, and that's like no, and, <laughs> but that instrument really like it, it. You know, there's so much that it can do. Um, like I remember hearing George Lewis for the first time and hearing that, like or Ray Anderson. Like I didn't know any of those players when I moved to New York. I didn't know who they were. Really, I was, you know, I was sitting to John Coltrane. I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to play like that. You know, yeah. I wasn't really thinking about my instrument. And the other thing about the trombone, it. I feel like, is it's used in such a wide variety of genres. You have, you know, classical. Obviously, you have jazz. You have a lot of Latin music using the trombone. Do you think in New York that do a lot of the trombone players know each other, or is it specific to genre? Oh, I think we all we know we all know each other. <laughs> it's it's a really um it's a really supportive community. I it's you know, one thing uh for better or for worse, I spent a lot of time playing a lot of different genres on trombone. And 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 like even in almost almost doing that more than I've done my even my own music because like I spent 10 years playing Balkan music. I spent That's right, a, yeah. long time, a long time and I, and I wrote music for them and, you know, played, there is, I should have put that track on the list, but um, there's a, I spent a lot of time doing that, a lot, playing a lot of brass bands. Um, play, I, when I first moved to New York, I was playing all salsa gigs. Um, that oh was like all I, I was like, and I was super green. I didn't know anything. And I was, but that's where I met like, Jacob Garchick and Ryan Keverly and Marshall Jokes. I met all those guys because they were doing some of that too. Um, Joe Feidler, you know, the, all that, that whole crew. Um, so that was like, you know, one of the other intros. And then, and then like, you know, in recent years, I've played a lot of Brazilian music. Um, that's something new for me, but I, I just absolutely love it. I love all this Brazilian trombone playing. Um, I don't know, like with, even with, <laughs> there's just, um, I, at one point, at one point in New York, a friend of mine came to see me from Nashville and I did a, a, a gig with, um, Brooklyn Kuali party, which was Pakistani. I played Slavic soul party. I played a, oh a Brazilian gig, gig with Scott <laughs> Kramer and somebody else, and he's like, he, he, well, I won't tell you, I won't tell you the term that he gave to me, but he, it was just like this. Only in New York could you do that, you know. So, yeah, so. that's so awesome. Well, I want to listen to a track off of Ocean State called Open Water. And I picked this one mainly because I love that it starts one way and then sort of in the middle it goes into these sort of stacked brass things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> so groovy. And I just love that all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool. This is different. It's like groo, groo, groo. And then you have just these, this brass happening. How did that come about, that particular section? Do you recall? Uh, the, brass section, the brass section is mine, obviously. <laughs> um, and the, the, the tune is actually by Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is a, Eric's a drummer um, and a producer. He does a lot of producing in Providence um for singer songwriters and plays drums with lots of folks he has his own band that's a collective um uh eric would be the first to tell you this so he's not he 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 had these ideas he had these little little ditties i i he just like sang me that little melody and then i like made something with it like i made the chords and they put the thing and then yeah so it was a collaborative um little uh thing that he had the idea for the for the little theme and then and then i said well it needs something else and then he said well we need to take it to church or something like that. <laughs> that's probably what happened and we said okay well let's put some gospel trombone on there so right yeah. another genre um, we didn't even talk about really yet oh yeah oh yeah well you know i grew up playing in the church not gospel <laughs> But well, I, I was going to ask I, if you've ever had any church gigs, but it sounds like you grew up playing in a church. My dad's a church musician. So, okay. Uh, and my dad's a great musician. Uh, so he, yeah, I mean, I grew up as Catholic church, but, but my dad's from South Carolina and was raised Baptist. And so I grew up with some of the Baptist hymns, you know, um, that my grandmother sang. And uh, we also... You know, my dad has like all these records, like these gospel records from that he bought in South Carolina when he was like a teenager. Wow. So I listened to those. I listened to my a lot of my dad's record collection, which is like a lot of, you know, black soul artists, like from this, you know, 60s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tommy, I mean, he, he, I one day I asked him how many what he has the most records of we were counting how many records we had of each of each artist during the pandemic. And he has more Ray Charles records than I have Miles Davis records. So wow, <laughs> but I have a lot of Miles Davis records. <laughs> That's pretty like, cool. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up with that energy and that, so he's, you know, you know, plus what he plays around the house. I just heard that. Heard Does he play piano? Bit. He plays, he's a saxophone player, but okay. he's played piano as like a, you know, since he plays piano, um, flute, uh, but mainly his sax, his instrument was Barry sax when he was a, wow. you know, a youth. So. so fascinating to talk to people and just learn, that you know, what they're a product of nature and nurture. Like, you know, sure. you grew up with all that stuff and then you expose yourself to other kinds of things and it, you know, made you who you are today. <laughs> trombonist of Hades Town. Tell us yeah, a little bit about yeah. what it's been like to work on that show, which I know you've probably talked ad nauseum about it, but you know, we got <laughs> the, the people want to know. The people want to know. I, I mean, so I started, I started with the show in New York Theater Workshop, and um, you know, I got there through Todd Sikafus, who I know really through the jazz community. Um, actually, who works with another hero, trombone hero, Josh Roseman. And Alan Ferber, and I think somehow between the t- one of them two, I don't know who put my name in, but anyways, 
Todd got the idea to call me, I think I was probably, you know, in somewhere on that list there. But, um, <laughs> we all have our list. I used to have in my, yeah. in my uh, little planner, just instrument names and like 10, yeah. you know, 10 names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I get it. I used to have that too. I still have like remnants of that in my, my day book. Yeah. In my, in my, um, my iPhone. So it's like, actually prices on yours prices piano next to your name. Right. I have to look at that. Cause in those days I had to like, you know, yep. find out who I was. Playing. Now I'm like, I know if I don't know what you play, then <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah. And like, you know, the, just the, I would say that the, you know, the opener of that show is like, the, that's, that's like the, that's the trombone like kind of feature. I mean, it sets the tone for the whole thing. I mean, when I first time I played that, I like, I saw the part written. I had never heard it, but I heard what Ben Prowski was playing, which was like this, just this great, crazy good train beat. And so I just started playing. I was like, I put the plunger on it right away. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like, you know, I, it just, it was such a natural thing to play. And the other trombone players I think had played it, but I just, I kind of just made it my own and had fun with it. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a fun show. Um, playing the show every night. If you play too many shows in a week, it's very exhausting. And I mentally can imagine. Um, and it's, it can be hard on the chops. Not, not because the show is hard. It's funny. If I go and play one show, it's like, I'm going to go play the show tonight. I haven't played the show in like four days. It's going to be super, it's going to feel easy. And I, I don't mean like easy, like, like it's going to feel fun and easy to mm-hmm. play it because I haven't played it as fresh. Right. But after like two or three days of like doubles and, you know, doing some other, if I add any other playing in there, it's just, it's tiring because you're doing, it's the same, the same thing. So yeah. even though there's a lot of improvising, I don't, I don't like hold back when I play the show. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I sure, sure people, I mean, much to some people probably would, I don't know. I just don't hold back. I'm like, I feel like I'm on stage. I yeah. I feel like I, you're, I, you're I, part I, of the show and, and like the people yeah. on stage who are part of the show are giving 110% every night, whether it's their first performance yeah. or their 350 millionth performance. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I might be tired or like, uh, but like when it comes to play, it's like, let's play like let's there's no i don't you don't get a second chance and so i just i try to just you know i grew up i grew up in kind of like you know big bandy kind of mentality world when in high school and i was very much a part of that and kind of resisted it and then i went to college and i was like worked so hard to be like in the top band and you know in those situations you can't mess up anything mm. like you just you have to just be perfect right Otherwise you're out. And then New York, you like, you have this mentality. It's like, okay, it has to be, you just have to play good all the time. And like, make it, there's a lot of pressure. This show doesn't feel, it's just, just like, I don't feel that. So, I mean, I, I still have nights where I'm like, Oh, that could have been a little better, <laughs> but I, but I, but I, I just, I give it hundred percent all the time. And I don't, I just, that's what's, um, can make a time because I, I could sit back a little bit probably at this point, but I just don't like, it's just not in my nature to do it. Like, yeah. and I've always been that way on gigs. Like I just, I just go for it and then pay the price to the next day. And be like, <laughs> oh, my hurt. like, well, 
well, duh. <laughs> but I think somebody told me once when I was in college, they, they, we were doing a gig and they said, it was one of the instructors. They said, what if this was the last time you could play, play like that? Yeah. And I feel like with the pandemic, we didn't know it, but it was the last time we could play. And so now when we get to play, it's like, well, that could happen again. So I better play like it's the last time I can play. Sure. Yeah. I mean, coming back out of it was like, you know, it was, it felt like no time had passed, but also just that, you know, because yeah, like you just, you realize like, I mean, there's lots of gigs I've taken, I have taken for granted, but um, yeah, I just, I, 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 I don't want to play those gigs. <laughs> <Just> clearly, <laughs> I, clearly I, I did take them for, but I, I also, I, I'm really talking about like gigs, like wedding gigs and things like that. Yeah. That well, we've all played those, those gigs that it's like, yeah. you just kind of punch your card in and punch out. You know, yeah, that's the line from Hades Town. Punching in. You're punching oh, seriously? Out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It seeped into my brain. Yeah. Right. But, but I know um, what you mean. And I think it's, it just makes the show so much better when I go and see you on stage and I know you're giving a hundred percent and it's obvious that, you know, you probably have played the show a million times at this point, but for the people in the audience, it could be their first and only time and you're giving it to them and there's an energy exchange there. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love that. Like just blasting everybody at the top of the show. It's just like, all right, you're here for Hades sound. And I know like, a third of you have no have no idea what you just walked into. And right. Like, let me show you. It's like right. Let's Setting the tone. And Andre does. I mean, I just look. It. You get on stage and you watch Andre or whoever come out, and especially Andre, and you just you you feel his energy and like he sets the tone first, and it's like, well, that's it. We're going. We're going to right. go all the way. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, choo, people choo. have said like, these people have come to like. Uh, a matinee they're like wow it didn't seem like a mat like i don't I mean once in a while it feels kind of lower energy but maybe it's just because the audience isn't as big but that's still like cranking you know like we're yeah. we're out there going for it well so. i saw two different nights with two pretty different casts yeah. and it was amazing both times and the second time the audience <laughs> i was sitting amongst a lot of younger people it was um the person who was playing Eurydice, it was her last show. Oh, right. Um, there was just like, the, the crowd was just so hungry for it. They were yeah. ready. And I that's why life, there's nothing like life theater because you're feeding you guys and you guys are feeding us and it just becomes this kind of circular exchange and the more the show went on, the people were just getting hyped up. And it was so yeah. exciting to just be in the audience and be feeling that energy. Yeah. That was a good it, one. It, it, it also, um, you know, like I've seen, I've seen a few other shows now. I never saw a Broadway show before. I saw it before I did Hayden's Set. So it was all new to me. Cause you know, I don't know where did you, I, maybe you did. I, I just was not in my purview, like to, to go to anything musical theater related and not out of probably not wanting to probably cause I, you know, Broadway's expensive and like, if I had to spend like 150 bucks, I'm probably going to go to the village Vanguard. Right. I mean, my father-in-law takes my girls. And so they've seen way more shows than me for that exact reason. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if I have a night off, like I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably going to go to the Vanguard or see a friend, see my friend play at the Jazz Gallery or whatever, you know, like do something that's, yeah. like there's a ton of shows I would love to see that I don't don't get to see right now, so. Yeah. That's one of my New Year's resolutions and my family's, it kind of is every year, but it's experiences over things. So every January and February, we go to a lot of shows, which is why we went right. to Hastown. Um, because we generally get money from the in-laws to do extracurriculars. And I was so glad that that happened in 2020 because January and February, we went to a lot of shows and then everything shut down and we were thinking, what if we hadn't got any shows? (laughs) We're so happy. (laughs) But it's just a reminder that I want to be, um, I'm ready to go see a lot more live music now. I think things are starting to really, my feeling like you were saying that things are starting to happen in person more again. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready. So what do you have on the horizon, Brian? Um, I, what's coming up? Um, I mean, you do plenty. You don't need anything new yeah. to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I really, so there's like a couple records that I recorded that, that trio love call record that you mentioned, um, that was actually recorded right after that's it was it's actually was an old recording like four or five years old but i have a good friend mike mcginnis who's um a really like long time just good friend colleague supporter um therapist <laughs> and uh but he 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 talked me and he said you have to put that out it sounds really cool nothing else sounds like it and it was cool you know i I didn't have we didn't I didn't have enough money to really like do a proper promo with that but I sent it to a lot of musicians and they they really loved it and that was all like that's kind of was enough credit for me I was like you know Stephen Bernstein called me and said he liked it that's like that that feels that felt good enough (laughs) you know people that I just like lots of friends of mine wrote back and just um you know, I there's a sextet record that that just came out on Sunnyside with Hank Roberts that I'm on that I'm really proud of. There's a trio record that I made also three or four years ago um, with Matt Pavoka and Jeff Davis. I, I want to put that out too as a jazz record. That's something else you um, could do with your hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Times it yeah. by about ten and make a record. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, but I do have. You know, right before the pandemic, I did a residency at Barbez. I, I featured four different bands, and I recorded, you know, just my own for my own, you know, documentation. Nothing professional, but um, you know, I put together like an all synthesizer band uh, with trombone and drums. I had a like a quintet that was really fun um, that I wrote a bunch of music for, and um, I like a bunch of. Uh, a tree actually a trombone trio record with a uh, trio with Curtis Hasselbring and Jacob Garchick, two of my oldest compatriots there. Um, Next April. And so I have, I have be a on bunch the show. of ideas. <laughs> oh yeah. I have a bunch of ideas. Um, I actually want to do something with tr- trombone players. Um, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, have, I have an idea for something. I don't want to say it because I, I don't, don't want to hold myself accountable to it right now. Um, but I, yeah, I have some ideas to get started on some music, um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty busy with 
between the show, between gigs, and I still do a lot right now with Frank London. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I play on a bunch of his projects. Um, uh, I've done some stuff with Billy Martin, other other things like that. That that um, that I hope will con- keep continuing. But I'm I'm feeling ready to like, you know, try on some new shoes and get some of this these like projects like going. Uh, also, you know. Yeah, just how to get these older these records that I already did. Like, that was a question. Should I put them out? But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's uh, I feel like I feel like I'm starting to get ready to like do something else. You know, some, nice. some new stuff. I'm so, feeling yeah. maybe it's because spring is is you know happening. It's like the energy right. in the air is. I'm I'm feeling things ramping up. I, I'm starting to feel energized, and I haven't really in a long time. Right. In this way where I'm thinking about new projects and who do I want to play with and what do I want my next record to be and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. No, I, hear, I hear that. Yeah. yeah. So um, at the end of the, every podcast, I ask four questions. Okay. And we're going to go right now. All um, right. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Number one. <laughs> Who's an artist or composer or musician, songwriter, whatever, who you're currently digging? Um, I have been so I've been listening to a lot of um, uh, it changes all the time right (laughs) I've been really loving this uh, you know these Brazilian um, Foho composers Sivuca and um, that's the first one that's coming to my mind right now uh that's why I do it rapid I, fire because they're like we could yeah. just spend a whole hour talking about I know, that, you know. I know. I know. That's that's I really um you know, yeah, some some of this northeast brazilian like uh music I I just keep myself finding myself wanting to go back and like learn it. Um so yeah, that, that's what that's what I've been digging like lately like a lot. So Okay. Yeah. What about a concert you've seen that made an impact on you? Uh, see, that would mean I had gone to a concert. So it could be one of the first ones you ever saw that made an impact on you. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the first concerts I ever saw, like, well, there was a, there was one, there was a jazz concert I saw in my hometown that was just like jazz, like a, a jazz trio, like performing. I don't know, they were like a local trio, but I saw Maceo Parker when I was like sixteen. I saw like the Life on Planet Groove band, like the original band. I didn't know what I was seeing. And a friend of mine who was younger than me actually was like, we're going to see this show. Like, you got to come with us. And I was like, okay. And I just, yeah, I, I didn't have any reference wow. for it, but I, I remember like. Mind thinking, blown. I still kind of, yeah, I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, um, so that was, that made an impression on me. Uh, recently, um, you know, like the most recent concert I went and saw was Vinnie Sparaza and Lonnie Plaxico and Mike McGinnis just playing free at Barbez. Nice. And I got to say that that was like, um, you know, I loved it because it, it was, you know, it may, maybe it won't happen again, but it, you know, it, it was just like great to just hear something that, um, 
no one was trying to like, you know, <laughs> it was just like, Hey, we're, we're here. We're playing some music. We're getting together and playing. And it was like, no big show, a few people in the audience. It was just kind of, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of just sweet and simple. And that I liked it. It really so. nice. Yeah. Barbaz is so great. Okay. So yes. now a bucket list person you would love to work with someday. Oh, do I have to answer this question? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, okay. Well, I will answer. Um, I, I would love to work with Bill Frizzell someday. That would be very cool. Um, I, you know, I'd love to work with, um, you know, I, I, when I got to, I don't know, like some people, a person that comes to mind is like Ray Anderson. Like I would love to work with him. I think like the more I check him out and like listen to things that he's done, I'm like, I, I just don't know anyone that plays like that, you know? And yeah. So he, he's somebody on my list. that I, I'd like to someday. So. Cool. Okay. Played with some great players, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Final question. A piece of advice yeah. you would give to a young, a budding songwriter, musician, composer, person. Um, I think the advice I would give is you are, you know, you are good enough. That's, that's what, that's what like, you know, I got to tell my younger son, you are good enough, but you've got to work hard. Um, but like that, you're still good enough to do it. Yeah. But you still have to work hard. like you, you, but, and I, when I say work hard, I really mean like you got to do it all the time. Like it just has to be, you have to live it and breathe it, but you are good enough to do it. Mm. But you also have to like, you also have to like breathe it, you know? Yeah. Because I don't think, um, I, I think they just go ahead and that, that doesn't mean just like playing your horn all the time. It just it, like, but you've got to be in it all the time. Yeah. Um, no matter what you're doing. And I think it goes for any, I think it goes for anything really, but I think especially for music, you've just, you've got to be into it. And yeah, you, but, but you also have to know that you're good enough to do it. Yeah. And that's, I think both that's are true. Key. Yeah, yeah. I love that. If not, if not, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've suffered from telling myself the other thing, which is, you know, yeah. oh, I'm not good enough to do this. But, but like, but you, but you are, and you have yes. to do that. Agree. <laughs> well, Brian, have thank you day. so much yeah. for being on the show today. Thanks for I know you're super Sorry busy. It took us like six tries to do it. Well, you know, that went both ways. So, <laughs> but I'm just really happy that we got to do it today. And I always kind of feel like it happens when it's supposed to happen. And I really loved our conversation and I feel very inspired to like go see music tonight or go write something. Oh. So thank you, Brian. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will. And uh, for everyone else, you can find me at thesonginside.me. These are out every Monday. Coming up May, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary. Woo, 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 woo. So be sure and join us for that in the middle of May. And remember that there is a song inside everyone, including you. <laughs>